of the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today on this Monday morning. And we got a lot of stuff to break down because we have finally got a four-team playoff for the college football playoff. And it was pretty much what we expected after you, after you watched Saturday's games at all. And we'll look into the two biggest matchups I felt of Saturday after it was all said and done. And uh, that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today. That's the gist of it. We got us some more coaching turnover we're going to talk about real quick, too, at the end. But this is the segment of our show Thursday, since there's, I mean, at this point when we get to the sports, like I said, we're going to start factoring in a lot of other sports now. This is getting to the tail end of college football. When stuff arises, we'll have a bowl preview uh, and predictions um, show, excuse me. And then when we have a college football playoff on the 31st, we'll also have a show coming out that day for that as well. And uh, we'll have our preview predictions articles that will come out. So we'll be working on those, but those will come out at a later date. So we're getting into a lot of other stuff coming up. We'll have the NBA, we'll have NFL, we'll have it all. But this is just the last, I guess you'd say, full breakdown of the rankings. Because this is, I mean, this was it. They're not going to give another rankings when it comes to the college football playoff. This is the end. We know our matchups. Now we get to crown ourselves a national champion. We don't have to talk about it. We don't, I mean, it's all decided on the field. And that's the thing that I like the most is when it finally gets to be decided on the field. If you've listened to me for the last couple of weeks since we've been doing this, last couple of months since we started doing the podcast, my biggest thing that I hate about the playoffs and stuff like that is that the committee gets to decide the, gets to decide the four teams. Now, do I think they got the four teams right? Yes, they did, but I'd like to actually see it played out on the field versus four people just, I mean, not four people, but four teams just deciding it just because a couple of people in a conference room said it was the teams they wanted to roll with. So that's what I go off of. I'll get more into that later. But the two games we are going to talk about when it comes down to Saturday and the biggest ones that how, you know, just how it affected everything. First one up, we got number nine Baylor and number five Oklahoma State. We saw Baylor. Hold Oklahoma State at a, on a goal line stand to end up pulling this one off, twenty-one to sixteen. Oklahoma State literally had everything on the line. They were eleven and one going into the Big Twelve Championship. You win that, you go twelve and one. You are a conference champion. You were sitting at five. There was going to be. It didn't matter what Cincinnati did that day. We obviously know they beat Houston, but it would not have mattered if they won that game or not. If Oklahoma State wins this game against Baylor, they are sitting with a chance, no matter what, to get into that four spot. And they literally missed it by mere inches. Watching the play, they had seven... Well, I say they missed it by by mere inches, but if you've actually watched the, that last goal line stand, they ran seven plays at the three yard, from three yards or in, Oklahoma State did, and could not get in. Dave Aranda's defense held up when they absolutely needed to, and they they pulled it off. And that's why I said this is one you have to be careful with because Baylor is a good football team. They're a well-coached football team. I wondered about their offense not having Gary Bohannon, but their quarterback stepped up in a big way. He absolutely dominated shaping. He came out with uh, – he was 23 of 28, 180 yards, three touchdowns, didn't turn the ball over, took real good care of it. At one point, he was – I think he was like 17 to 17. I mean, that was unreal coming in as the second string in that type of environment. Start out that way. I mean, he didn't, like, blow the top off or anything with a, only with 180 yards. But he did everything he was supposed to. He gave his running back a chance to get some yards. He was had, Smith had 17 carries for 63. I mean, there wasn't a ton of offense. Both were really, really good defenses. But they did what they needed to, and they took care of it. But, I mean, that's just so impressive. A second-string quarterback comes in 23 to 28, 180 yards, 
takes care of the ball, three touchdowns, gives them the lead. That's all you want. And so Gary Bohannon was had originally been the starter, was out for this one with his lingering injury that has basically kept him out the last three or four weeks. And he comes in, just takes care of business, and, I mean, they, they're the Big 12 champs now. And so a lot of people talked about possibly them, you know, the discussion of that. If they hadn't had that slip-up against TCU, Baylor's in. But now they had that slip-up. It was a bad loss. I mean, they're out. And so they're sitting now. They're sitting at seven. And so for me, that was – I thought they should have been higher than that. We'll get into the rankings a little bit in just a little bit. But to me, this is a huge win for Baylor. You go from the record that you had last year where you were terrible, the 2-8, and eight, then they come in here and they're 11-2 and two conference champs in Dave Aranda's second year. That is a huge get, not just for, I mean, obviously winning a Big 12 championship, but you're going to play in a really good bowl now. And then that helps on the recruiting front. Guys are saying, hey, we can win at Baylor now. We can compete here, so let's go here. So that's a big talking point now for Dave Aranda. And he was already talking about just today, if you watched any of the coverage on the college football playoff, that he was already he wasn't even there with his team trying to find out where they were going to go for their bowl game. He was out recruiting. He was on the road already. And that's what you got to do if you're going to continue to bring in good players and be able to play at a high level. So Baylor's going to be fine. They're in a really, really good position, but... Oklahoma State, I mean, they're in a good position too, but Mike Gundy's been there for so long now, and this is typically, I mean, I hate to say it, this is kind of what you expect. Oklahoma State has had multiple chances to actually be really good, take that next step, and somehow they end up just finding themselves short. Sounds like another team I know, I'm thinking of them right now, and we're going to talk about them here in a minute, but Oklahoma State, I mean, just a couple of inches away, you take the lead, I mean, you get that, you're up 23-21, you could probably go for two, so I mean, possibly 24-21. And, I mean, you win the ball game, and you're sitting there at five. You've got a case. Your only loss is a I mean, is a decent loss. And then so now you say you beat Oklahoma, you beat Baylor. You go down the list, show your really good wins, show you don't have a terrible loss, and then you go and you try to hopefully sneak into that four. And also that would have been a huge discussion for expansion when it came to the college football play. I still think there needs to be expansion, but I guarantee you some are going to say, oh, no, they got it right this time. We don't need it. No, you still need it because – all these teams, like Baylor, should have a shot to be able to they can compete and they can win a title. Same reason for Utah right now. You look at Utah, they beat Oregon. Absolutely dismantled Oregon once again. Comes in hot. They had three losses earlier on during the year. Their quarterback comes in now, and he's red hot. The whole team is playing just lights out football. But because they have those three earlier losses, they're sitting back there. Now, like I always say, I think if you have two losses, you shouldn't get into the top four just because right now, that's just that we only got four teams, and so if you got two losses, you shouldn't usually. I mean, you shouldn't get in. I don't necessarily think, and they've shown that you're not going to get in. But I mean, unless a lot of turnover happens, you got just too many teams with two losses. But you don't have two te- two losses. So right now, I mean, if you expand that back to twelve, I mean, you could have two three loss teams get 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 in if they're deserving. I have no problem with it at that point. But right now, four. I mean, if, with only four, you got to have just two. Um, I mean, two, uh, one or less losses, and so. That would give teams like Utah a chance. I would give teams like Baylor a chance. I mean, you go down the list, Ole Miss. I mean, all these teams within that top 12 would have an opportunity to go out on the field, and one of them gets hot, and they can go win a national championship. I mean, it's, you basically would just come down to a couple of game season at that point. You have to win to keep advancing, and you'll find out who really is the best team out there. Because right now, I mean, I agree with a lot of people. A lot of people talking about how good Utah has looked, and they have looked really good. So, 
they should have the opportunity to prove it on the field that, yeah, we had some mess-ups earlier in the year. We had injuries. We had all this different type of stuff happen, but now we're a complete team, and we should have the opportunity to prove it on the field. They're not going to be giving it. Same thing with Baylor. Baylor has continued to improve. They get to this point now. You got this win against Oklahoma State. You're sitting at seven. Should be higher. But you sit here, and they should have the chance to prove it on the field because a couple of these teams, I would not be surprised to see them beat some of these top four teams, to be honest with you. I mean – just the way some of them are playing right now, and then the matchups that they present in this, a lot of these teams would have a good opportunity, but we don't get to see it because we have a committee group that's going to go into the conference room, and they're going to balance stats, and they're going to pick which teams they like the most, and which teams should be number one, and number two, and number three, and number four, and they're just going to go and pick it based off of how they feel that day, and I mean, that's just how it goes, but you don't actually get to pick it based off of just teams that that are absolutely – well, just prove it on the field. That's what, that's what I'm getting down to. Just let them prove it on the field. So at some point we need that expansion. At some point I think we will get it. But to me, I was hoping Oklahoma State would win that win this game because it would further that conversation a lot quicker. Now they were talking about possibly trying to get expansion for 2023. You don't have that problem now here this year. They're going to say that they got the top four right. The system works. They'll probably be pushed back even later to possibly 2025, if not later than that. So – to me, I really, really hate that Oklahoma State lost this one. It would have been a good one, not only for their program. Mike Gundy would have finally got himself into the playoff more than likely. They would have had a chance to compete. But even more, they would have been able to push that conversation of expansion because I know there's a lot of teams out there that feel like they should have a shot that haven't got that shot. And you got to be able to have stuff like this happen where you give them that reason to challenge that the, the four playoff spots that we have now and moving it into a further, whether that's eight or 12. But you have to give them reason to. And Oklahoma State didn't give them reason to, so they'll find themselves sitting out, sitting at a different bowl game instead of playing in the, the playoffs. So that's just how it goes, though. But sadly, that's the case. But moving on from there, that was the, I'd say, second biggest game of the day because of that reason right there. We also, I'll just go down the list real quick. We saw Michigan end up blowing out Iowa, so that was 42-3. to Iowa just once again showed that they have no offense. The offense comes and goes. That was my problem, the reason why I thought Michigan would at least win. I thought it would definitely be closer because I thought Iowa's defense would stand up, but they obviously didn't at all. They just kind of rolled over. But that's also in part to how good offense Michigan's running right now. They're playing really well. The rushing attack is going well. Cade McNamara is doing a better job than he has earlier in the season, and they're a serious threat when it comes down to this college football playoff now with them sneaking in at the two spot. Um, we also we saw Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett. We saw them go crazy and end up beating Wake Forest 45-21. Their defense really stepped up. I know a lot of people talked about their defense uh, being ready to play, and their defense was ready to play. So that was uh, that was very interesting to see. I figured Wake Forest would put up a better fight than that. Uh, Cincinnati beat Houston 35-20. Houston's a good ball club, so that was uh, – I mean, that's why I said I have no problem with Cincinnati sitting at four right now, even not being a, a power five team. They're being an uh, – uh, being in that that group of not being in that group of five, I guess you would say. So I have no problem with them getting in. They're thirteen and zero. They're the only undefeated team left now. They beat everyone they were supposed to. Beat a number twenty one Houston for a conference title. I mean, you put them in, so teams don't slip up behind them. I mean, there's nothing to really talk about when it comes down to that. But we saw the Baylor and Oklahoma State game. So the only game that is left when it comes down to it that has had a lot of effect and will have effect for the future now is this Alabama, number one Georgia, and then number three Alabama. We saw Alabama go in and absolutely crush Georgia on the offensive side of the ball. Defense did really good too. I felt like their defensive line held up well. Georgia was not really able to get a rushing attack going. 
you got to give props to Alabama. They did everything that they were supposed to, backs against the wall, have to win the game, or you don't get into the playoff. They come out, and they just absolutely dominated. From I mean, other than the first quarter, they come out, and they dominated from start to finish of that second quarter to the end of the game. Uh, Bryce Young locked up the Heisman. I thought he locked it up a couple of weeks ago. I mean, but he just basically put a stamp on it to seal it, put a bow on it, saying, give him my trophy. Um, comes out there and just absolutely slings it for over 400 yards passing against Georgia. This is the Georgia defense that was the number one defense in the country, has been absolutely dominant, only giving up 6.9 points a game before this one. And the most points that they had given up in a, in a game this whole entire season was against Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. They gave up 17. Alabama had more than that. They had 24 at just halftime, and they had 41 to end the game. I mean, that's absolutely insane. Alabama's offense was so good this night. We saw John Metchie. We saw Jameson Williams. We saw Bryce Young. Even their rushing attack. This is the thing that got me. There's so many things. I mean, I, we can sit here and talk about it. We can break stuff down. But some of this stuff just doesn't make sense when you look at past games. And this is why you can't predict college football. We try to. We all try to give you our predictions. And that's, I mean, that's the fun part about it. We try to predict it. And then you tell us if one were wrong and you laugh at us and uh, I mean, that's that's part of it. It's just fun and games. That's just what we do. But you look at it, and this is why you can't predict stuff when it comes to college football because it's unpredictable. Anything can happen at any given time, and you just can't see it coming. And it was evident in this game right here. We see Alabama, I mean, outrush Georgia, 115 yards rushing to Georgia's 109. We saw them have 536 yards total against that Georgia defense that wasn't allowing anything more than 278 Um they were 7 of 14 on third down. But, like I said, that rushing, the 115 to 109, really just caught me off guard because we saw where Brian Robinson Jr. wasn't even 100%, decided right before game time he was going to go. They thought he was going to be out. He goes. We see him and Trey Sanders come in, Trey Sanders being the only other running back available on the squad. And they just come in, 16 carries for 55 yards for Brian Robinson, three carries um, for Young, though. He had 40 yards. Trey Sanders, six for 21. They outgained Georgia. Georgia is supposed to be a, a team that's averaging over 200 yards rushing a game. And Alabama, with that offensive line that gave up seven sacks to Auburn the week before, that couldn't get a run game going for multiple weeks now, pretty much all season outrushes Georgia. And then here's the other stat. We saw just last week against Auburn, Alabama gave up seven sacks. Bryce Young sacked seven, seven times on his back a good majority of the game until the latter part of that game where the offensive line finally gave him some time to be able to win the football game. That's seven sacks against Auburn. Georgia couldn't – the Georgia, with the best – what everyone considers the best defensive line, defensive front in college football, could not get to him one time. The Alabama offensive line was spectacular in this game, and they just – I mean, they looked phenomenal. They did what they were supposed to. They, they looked the way a lot of people thought they were going to at the beginning of the year. But this is what I'm talking about. You can't predict this stuff. Alabama hasn't done this all year. They've given up sacks all year. They've given up the second most sacks in the SEC all year. You give up seven the week before, and then you come in and play like you're just randomly the world beaters. That I mean, no one can top you. I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever. But like I said, that's why you love college football, because you can't predict it. But, I mean, to me, as a, like I said, I'm not talking from a, like I said, I try to keep my biases out of when breaking stuff down, but to me it's so funny. It, I mean, it just simply comes down to it just seems like Alabama's either in Georgia's head or, I don't know, they just have their number some way, somehow. Anytime that game comes up, Alabama just instantly becomes the best team in the world once again, and they showed it here. And, I mean, you got to give Nick Saban credit. He's done it time and time and again. Every time he's basically the underdog, he's going to find a way to win. Georgia was a six-and-a-half-point favorite going into this. 
I mean, it's just it's insanity how they continue to do it. And so they're twelve and one. And they find themselves locking down the one spot in the college football playoff, which was really not surprising. That's where I had them after they won this game. They looked at. I mean, you get forty one points in that defense. You only give up twenty four. You deserve to be number one. So for them, the question is now the big loss that they had out of this. You would think, basically watching everything, that they had no problems whatsoever yesterday. They really didn't throughout the course of the game until a certain point where Mechie went, John Mechie, the, I guess you'd say the second leading wide receiver for Alabama, ends up going down with the knee injury, and now he's going to be out for the rest of the year with the ACL, going to miss the playoffs. You're basically, I mean, they got some other receivers there. I mean, don't get me wrong, they do, but you know when you go into a game against Alabama, it's going to be John Mechie and it's going to be Jamison Williams. That's just how it goes down. We see right here Mechie's six catches for 97 yards, averaging 16.2 a catch, and then we saw Jamison Williams, seven receptions for 184 yards, 26.3 average. That's insane. Two touchdowns, Mechie with one. We just see right here, I mean, that's who they are. The next guy up was going to be Bolden, who had five catches for 54 yards. That's great. So, But the thing is, Bolden's going to have to step up now. We see Mechie's out. But it basically becomes the Jamison Williams show. And the problem with that is you go from having that, that second receiver that can help, I guess you say, where they can't really double-team just one. They re- can't just take them, you know, take one just away. They have to watch for both. Now you can really lock in onto them, and you, I think you're going to see that you have a good secondary. I, I'm getting more into this game, but you have a good secondary. They're going to have to match up with Cincinnati in their game. So that is a uh, that's going to be fun one. That's going to be definitely going to be a fun one to watch. But now they're down to that one. You just can focus on Jamison Williams, and if someone else steps up, you can live with that. But the fact is, it's Jamison Williams, and that's it for him. So now you got Bryce Young, Jamison Williams, and so. That's where they're at. So, to me, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out for them in the playoffs. And I'm not, I'm not doubting them at all. I didn't say that they completely couldn't win this game. I just didn't understand how they were going to. They showed us how they were going to. So, I'm not going to doubt that they're not going to be able to do it again against Cincinnati in the playoffs. So, it's going to be interesting to see, though, how they can transition this offense to playing with just the one major wide receiver. Because it didn't look that good. We saw a, kind of a similar situation. It wasn't Williams... That was it. wasn't Mechie that was out. It was Jameson Williams out for that second half of that Auburn game. Basically, three you know three quarters of that that Auburn game where he got the targeting call. We saw how they looked without him. They weren't as explosive. They didn't get many points, honestly. And so now you take Mechie. Well, Mechie did a decent job in that game, but it took them forever to actually score. So now you take Mechie out, and it's just Jameson Williams. How does that? How does that change stuff now? I honestly expect you'll see a little bit of a drop in production, but. The question is, do they still have enough production to be able to win the whole thing, be able to beat Cincinnati, get to the, the the college football championship game, and then win it all the way? I don't know. So to me, that's a big loss for them. I'm not going to count them out, obviously, because we've seen what happens when you count them out. Like I said, I didn't necessarily fully count them out. I just thought Georgia would win. But um, So that one's going to be interesting to see. But that's for Alabama. Like I said, they look phenomenal. Props to them for how they continue just to show up in the big game every single time. They're the SEC champs. They deserve it. They deserve the number one spot that they got, and they should be the favorite basically throughout the whole playoffs. So, um, looking down the list, though, on the other side of this, uh, just the other side of this equation, I don't really know what much. I mean, I know what to say. I just don't know really how to reinforce it anymore because you would think sitting here watching stuff and seeing how stuff continually plays out, it would be common sense to make the adjustments that are necessary and to just not do the same thing over and over again. But with Georgia, it's what happens every single time. 
and I've been talking about this, like I said, if you've been listening to this show for any length of time when it comes to the college football segments, just to anything like that, I've talked about how Stetson Bennett for Georgia was going to end up costing them at some point that JT Daniels should be the starter because he can open up that offensive playbook more. He can hit all the throws. He's an NFL caliber player, but you start a guy who walked on from high school into college versus a five-star in JT Daniels. It makes no sense whatsoever. You can say, oh, he fits the system. You fit the system to that type of player. We saw what JT Daniels can do. I mean, just last year, you can't tell me he doesn't he doesn't fit in that type of offense because some people have been saying that. But we saw last year where he was healthy. He was averaging like 400 yards a game and three touchdowns. I mean, I know it was against the lesser competition, but, I mean, he didn't look bad against Cincinnati. The probably only bad game you can knock him for was the Clemson game at the beginning of the year when he was dealing with a nagging injury, which ended up costing him basically his starting job because he didn't come back and start the rest of the way. So, I mean, it's just, to me, it's absolute insanity that they continue to put the, the lesser quarterback out there and just expect to win. And we, this isn't the first time we saw it. That's why I said it's just insanity to continue to do something over and over and, get this in, and expect a different result. Because we saw where Kirby did the same thing with a similar situation where we saw where from the next year with Fromm, we saw how he digressed. And we had Justin Fields sitting right there on the bench who could come in and be able to at least give him a chance. That's my thing. You're not even giving him a chance. We didn't see JT Daniels even put on his helmet to go in this game the whole entire way. You basically just said, we're going to lose or we're gonna, we're just going to lose with Stetson Bennett. We're not even going to try. We're going to wave the white flag after basically after midway through that third quarter. And like I said, similar situation where we had where you have Justin Fields sitting on that Georgia bench with Jake Fromm out there. We know Jake Fromm is a decent game manager. He can do different stuff as a game manager, but he's not the quarterback that's going to get you over the top and help you win a major football game. He tried multiple times against Alabama. It is going to take a miraculous performance against Alabama. We saw him have 300-yard games against Alabama, talking about Jake Fromm, but it's still not enough. You have to have a quarterback that can literally just light you up, can go over the top, that can make you keep you on your heels where you can produce a run game at the same time, though. But when you have a Stetson Bennett, when you have a Jake Fromm, who's not a downfield threat, who you feel like is just going to stay there and manage the game, you feel comfortable stacking the box and taking away the run game. And it's trying to just basically play man coverage against the receivers and basically force Stetson Bennett or Jake Fromm to win the game for you. It did not work with Jake Fromm. We saw where he lost to Alabama every single time. We saw him lose to Alabama three different times. Similar results. It looked good in the first part of it, and then they digress when the team turns it up. And then similar situation here. Georgia looked good the first part of this game, first quarter. All of a sudden, Stetson Bennett looks good. And then all of a sudden, digress. And then absolute implosion at the end where he throws he throws two interceptions in the same span of a quarter. We don't even see, like I said, JT Daniels even pick up his helmet to come in and it just doesn't make sense. We saw, like I said, where Jake Fromm, that ended up happening three times. He plays Alabama, gets beat all three times, and then Justin Fields transfers to Ohio State, has an absolute crazy good year, Heisman campaign, and then ends up, you know, now we know the story. He's in the NFL. He plays for the Chicago Bears. And so watch. You'll see a similar thing happen if they do not make the decision to go with JT Daniels in the playoffs. You'll see JT Daniels transfer somewhere. He'll have a phenomenal year. He'll go pro. And Georgia will be left with possibly, once again, Stetson Bennett, though, because of, because of COVID last year, he now has another year of eligibility. It just does not make sense whatsoever when you look at it. 
Georgia just I don't know I don't I don't know Kirby Kirby just basically just needs to leave the offense alone completely. He doesn't need to make making decisions on anything whatsoever because the way he talks it's like it's his decision and he's just leaving it that way. You can't tell me if you're Todd Munkin that you don't want someone out there who can actually hit every single throw you need to. We've constantly seen throughout the year where yeah Stetson Bennett has hit a deep ball, but the deep ball has been very underthrown or his receivers have had to go up and make a play that they shouldn't have had to make because the ball should have been thrown. Correctly. We've seen where JT Daniels hits the correct throw. We have not seen but probably one or two passes all year where Stetson Bennett makes the correct throw and is able to actually lead his receiver on for the touchdown. We, I mean, it just does not make sense whatsoever. I know I keep saying that because it doesn't. I mean, whatsoever. It's a walk-on versus a five-star. We've seen the five-star dominate before. We have not seen once the walk-on dominate. We've seen him play good within a system where the rushing game is giving you 200 plus yards and all you have to do is give a measly 200 yards where you're only throwing the ball 20 times a game. But when you have to go and you have to throw it 48 times like you do, like Stetson Bennett had to in this game, you're never going to win with that. Never, ever, ever. And the problem is you got to win that way sometimes when your defense is not playing the greatest, when your when your rush game is not playing the greatest, it is going to fall on your shoulders. You have to be the one who's going to have to step up, make those big time throws, continue to drag your team over the finish line. Sometimes that is how it goes in college football. Now you can still win with defense. You can win with defense, but you got to have an off- offense that complements it. And and there's got to be times where the offense is good enough where if the defense doesn't have its best performance, the offense can step up. We saw where basically Georgia Georgia's defense had the worst two quarters between the second and third quarter you could have expected. The offense basically fizzled out the whole way. They had seven points in the second quarter, barely got any. I mean, they only had seven points the rest of the way after that the whole entire second half. You do not have an offense that can complement you have an offense that imploded behind a quarterback who's a walk-on who hasn't been able to carry the team. We haven't seen him play from behind other than last year against Alabama. And guess what? Same result. It was 41-24 to last year. It's 41-24 here. He threw two interceptions last year. He throws two interceptions here. Plays the whole game. Throws highly inaccurate. Has less than a 50% completion rating. It just, I mean, it's just absolute insanity to continue to move forward with that and expect a different result. And it's going to be the same way that when it comes out because what's going to happen if Georgia somehow meets Alabama again for the college football playoff, I fully expect when we we see Georgia play Michigan on December 31st, I expect Kirby to walk out there again with Stetson Bennett and maybe Georgia finds well, – I don't know for sure. i got to look at some more film and watch some more stuff. i got to break it down before I'm going to give you a prediction on that. But if Georgia finds a way to win that game and then they go and they play Alabama in the national championship, Alabama will basically get the same result again. It may be a little bit lower score, maybe a little bit closer because uh, because John Mechie is not there, but you'll get the same result because you're not going to win a football game with Stetson Bennett having to throw 30, 40-plus times times and Alabama has not been terrible as a rushing defense all year they took away the rushing game for Georgia forcing Bennett to have to do that and they would do the same thing again and there's no way you can change it I mean I don't care what you do you expect to get your running game up and going against a stacked front it's not going to happen I mean you can sure you can find maybe find some stuff bust some you know bust through occasionally and maybe get 10-15 yards off a run but consistently you're I mean you're going to drag out a game you're going to wear down your offense to the point where they're not doing well with a stack with a stack box, they have more people to continue to help out. But you got to be able to hit those throws, and we've seen he cannot hit those throws when he needs to. They're going to have to throw 35, 40 times again to be able to win that. It doesn't matter who they play. I mean, they have to throw 35, 40 times against Michigan with as good as their defense is and as good as their rushing defense is. So 
to me, you got to go with JT Daniels. And if you don't, Kirby Smart deserves to be questioned like crazy because, I mean, I don't get it. I know he wants to. I know he wants to win the old-fashioned way, the way that he originally was taught with Nick Saban, where Nick Saban was going with a heavily defensive team. They end up, you know, winning off of their defense. The offense does just enough, gives you 20, 25 points, maybe 30 points. You can go out there and win a football game. That's how it used to be. But now you've got offenses that consistently give you 40, 50 points against some of the best defenses in the country, and you don't even have – I mean, you don't even necessarily have to have a defense when you're putting up that many points. I mean, that's why they've consistently won all year. They've scored 40, 50 points. But their defense has gotten better, now that's why they're winning games against the number, the number what was the number one team in the country at the time. But their offense is just, when you play a good defense, it can still be unstoppable, and that's going to win you games when you put more points up on the board. But you're not in that you're not in that old day anymore. You have to advance with the times, and that's why Nick Saban continues to find ways to win. He humbles himself and makes the decision, changes stuff up. He gets the offensive coordinator who moves into the system that he wants to. They go and they implement it, and they continue to run with it. And he'll continue to adapt and change as the times continue, and that's why he'll continue to be a great coach. The question is now, can Kirby, can, can he do that? Because obviously he hasn't so far, and if he screws this situation up again, costs Georgia another chance at a national championship, there's going to be a lot of questions. I'm not saying they're going to talk about firing him or anything like that, but you're going to get to a point where eventually you're going to lose where the the opportunity to recruit five-star quarterbacks, where quarterbacks aren't going to want to come there because they're worried now that they're going to get replaced with the game manager. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of it. And at that time, so you're, now you're just getting a game manager put in there. Wider receivers want to come there. They won't. And that's eventually what you're going to get to. Right now it may not be that way because, I mean, Kirby Smart's still in the earlier part of his tenure there at Georgia. But – Eventually, if you have a track record of multiple times where you continually pick the worst quarterback just because, I mean, I don't know what your reasoning is behind it, but you continue to do that, and then you have receivers who are just standing out there blocking because that's the scheme you're running, or they just run out there and expect the ball to be thrown, you know, 10 yards past them, you'll end up losing those types of recruits. You won't get it. You won't even have an offense at all. You'll just be a basically what Iowa is right now. And if he does not make the change, if he does not move in that direction, Georgia will not win a national championship this year. They will continue to not move in that direction that they want to. They will continually always have a good defense, but they'll never have the offense until he decides to say, hey, I was wrong about this. We're going to need a generational offense. We're going to need a Bryce Young. We're going to need that type of player. Because right now, I mean, Georgia just does not have it. I mean, they, they probably do have it in JT Daniels, but he's just not willing to make that move in that direction. And until he does, Georgia will not be elite enough, like he keeps talking about, to be able to win a national championship. And that's just the blunt, honest facts. People can get mad. Georgia fans can get mad. But I'm pretty sure the majority of them understand that is the scenario when it comes down to where they're at right now. I don't know. I've gone a good almost 10 minutes on just Georgia on this segment right now, but it's so frustrating when you see it because they didn't even give the guy a chance. It's Like I said, it's not like they put him out there. It still didn't work. Oh, we're going to go back with the other guy. That that didn't even happen. We haven't even seen J- JT Daniels in major reps since, like I said, before he even got hurt. I mean, we haven't seen him in a role where he's taking 10, 15 snaps where he's getting 10, 15 throws in a game. I think the most he's gotten since his injury was like 10 in a game where he threw for 100 yards and had a touchdown. I mean, yeah, it was against lesser competition, but he still looked good. He makes the check down. He can hit the home run ball. But, no, we're playing. you're playing one of the best teams in the country who's gonna who's got you an offensive shootout, and you continue to go out there with a guy who's – can't even hit 50% of his throws, can can barely, the first time he's ever thrown for 300-plus yards in a game and gives you two interceptions and throw almost threw another one in the first part of that game, but has almost threw two pick sixes, threw one at least. It's just so confusing. It's so, 
it makes no sense whatsoever. But, I mean, until he makes that change, Georgia is not going to be elite enough to win a championship. And if they go out there with Stetson Bennett to start against Michigan in that college football playoff, they may not – they more than likely, I don't think, will get past – We'll get past Michigan because of how good Michigan's defense is as well. So, going to be a lot to talk about in the future when it comes to those matchups. They're going to be good matchups either way. Even if they do go with that, they're still going to be a good matchup just because I think Georgia's defense is going to be hungry. They're going to try to come back with vengeance after having that type of performance. Defensively, talking about that real quick, I just think Georgia basically, I mean, they got dominated in one-on-ones. They couldn't get no pressure up front. It took George. It took Kirby Smart and Dan Lanning forever to figure out to rush six instead of four. You weren't getting no pressure with the four that you normally get pressure with, so you throw more out there. Once they did, the offense for Alabama kind of slowed down a good bit, and so that's what you're going to have to do. So I mean, you've got to do that consistently. You saw that with Auburn. That's what they did basically all game. They were rushing six or more, and they were able to get to the quarterback. So yeah, I mean that's what it's going to take. But you took to basically the end of the third quarter to start doing that. So coaching basically just cost them this whole entire game. There's no doubt about that. Coaching, QB play, all that, but. These are adjustments you can make. It's just a matter if you do make the adjustments. So defensively, I think Georgia will definitely be better in the next one. Uh, they got the players to do it. I also think it's a lot of it. You could see some of the players thought they were just going to walk into this and win this. I don't know if that's because they weren't challenged the whole way, the whole year. That probably plays a factor in it. But uh, I don't know. I think they'll play better. I think they'll be more hungry. They'll kind of play with the situation. They're back against the wall, the underdog mentality again, because they are going to be – I mean, they may be a favorite in the Michigan game, but they'll be an underdog when it comes to the whole college football playoff now but um gonna be interested to see but i think they'll be a little bit better but we'll talk more about those matchups when it comes down to it as it gets closer but they're gonna be some fun ones it's gonna be fun to watch how cincinnati tries to compete with alabama if they have the juice to be able to do that and they have some matchups that favor them and we'll break them down as they get closer so that's gonna be fun but once again alabama's alabama so i think they'll They'll be all right. And then you look at the Georgia-Michigan one, two teams, very similar styles. One's got a lot of questions. The other one's peaking at the right time in Michigan after their blowout of 42-3, winning their first Big Ten championship in years, first with Jim Harbaugh there. So they're in really, really good shape. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch if Georgia can figure their stuff out or do they just continue to implode, get knocked out in the first round, and everyone laughs at them saying you didn't even deserve to be in there in the first place. So. Going to be interesting, but last thing we're going to talk about real quick, this is something that just came out just last night. We see where Brett Venables from Clemson, the defensive coordinator there under uh, Dabo Sweeney, who's basically been there for years. He never wanted a head coaching job because he just liked being a defensive coordinator. They paid him good money. He was the highest paid defensive coordinator out there. Did a fantastic job. We see where Clemson's constantly had really, really good defensive players. They continue to come out there with a great scheme. They've been a dominant defense basically year in and year out. Nothing you can complain about with him. A lot of people wondered why he didn't get a job sooner, but apparently it was because he just liked being a defensive coordinator. He didn't necessarily want all the pressure that comes with being a head coach. Didn't want to have to make those decisions, just liked it. But now you got Oklahoma who calls after Lincoln Riley uh, blows them off and goes to – goes to USC, so now that job was open, and you need a big hire if you're there at Oklahoma. I had Bob Stoops in there. I had some other people in there. Brett Venables was one I didn't have up there just because, I mean, like I said, there was an unwillingness there for so long to even move in that direction for him. But here he is. He signs a contract with Oklahoma. He's going to be their new head coach. And to me, I think it's a fantastic move for Oklahoma. But the problem is, though, you got a – there at Oklahoma, you got a good offensive team – 
and then you have to go transition to where you can build a defense there because they're moving into the SEC here in the next three years, and they're going to have to have a defense to be able to compete in that type of league. You've got to have a decent defense. And so I think this is the best move that Oklahoma probably could have got, bringing in that type of defensive coordinator. He's a great recruiter as well, so that will help there. And this basically could have been that saving move for Oklahoma because some were expecting to drop off, myself included, because – there just really wasn't a home run higher out there. And to me, this is a, a very, very, I wouldn't say necessarily a home run, but it's a very, very close second being able to get this guy. I think he's going to recruit well. The question is if he's going to be able to to bring a a real good offensive system there, if he can get a really good offensive coordinator in place, be able to keep guys like Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams will stay around. We know Spencer Rattler is going into the transfer portal. I think he just wants out of there considering – the situations that he's had there where we, they've had the fans chanting against him, talking about how they want Caleb. They had chance breaking out, we want Caleb. and I mean, you had that type of scenario. You don't just feel comfortable there anymore. So I don't think he'll be able to keep Spencer Rattler, but he'll have Caleb Williams. So have a good offense there. He gets a good system in there, I think. I mean, a good coordinator in there puts a good system in. I think the offense can be fine. Now you just got to get the defense up to par. The good thing is that – they're not going to be joining the SEC until at least 2025. So you've got a good three years. That's a good enough time to, I would say, get the defense up to a very respectable level. And I think with his what he's shown at Clemson over time, I think he'll do a great job there. So, like I said, the biggest thing that's going to help them, though, is recruiting. He's done a fantastic job over there at Clemson. He'll continue to do a good job over at Oklahoma. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if what he can do there in the Big 12, at least for the next three years, if they can be able to be competitive and potentially even win it. We know Texas is on a down slope. I don't think Oklahoma State's going to be as good next year. Baylor will probably be really good next year. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. The offense will be, like I said, next year I think it'll be at least decent, especially if they can get the good offensive coordinator in there. I think the defense will have a jump next year, especially if he can get some of, some of the players he wants just this off season, which is definitely going to be hard coming in at the point they're at now. National signing day, all that going to be up before too long. Um, but – it's going to be a little bit tougher, but I think just off of player development that we've seen where he's taken players and he, we've seen them, even though they were four and five stars, grow their game over a couple of years, he could probably take some of these older guys and be able to help them raise their game to another level, at least even over this year. So I would not be surprised if Oklahoma is very competitive next year in the Big 12. I don't know if they'll necessarily be competitive nationally. That's just going to be dependent on how much offense stays around that they already have and uh, obviously they'll probably lose some talent to the NFL. But seeing that he keeps a lot of that offensive talent in place, be able to grow that defense and be able to be competitive. But it's definitely possible. It's a really good hire for Oklahoma. But it's just crazy seeing so many different so many different coaching moves that you don't normally see. Like I said, Oklahoma, Florida, uh, LSU, Notre Dame. And Notre Dame officially named Marcus Freeman as their head coach. I don't know if we talked about that. We probably did, but that was a decent hire for them staying in-house. USC picking up Lincoln Riley. I mean, you just go down the list. So many head coach coach movements. And there's still one name out there that I would not be surprised to get moved around to some place. I'm not sure now. It seems like most places have filled who they want. But Dan Mullen's still out there. And the question is if someone wants to hire him as as a head coach. But... He would be a heck of an offensive coordinator, which we all know West's time when he was at Florida when they won two national championships with Urban Meyer as the head coach. But someone would be dumb not to pick him up. He's a brilliant offensive mind, and, I mean, he'd be able to bring something different. 
Um, but I would not be surprised if someone tried to pick him up for a head coach as well. So there are still a couple of names out there, but him, after losing the team he did, it's going to be a little bit tougher for him to get a bigger name. So, I mean, that's understandable at least. But uh, For that, though, I mean, that's basically the coaching crowds right now. I don't see too many more big changes coming up. seems like, like I said, everyone's basically been filled who – who needed to be filled. Obviously, there'll be some small ones along the way. Probably after bowl season, it'll pick up just a little bit more. But nothing's going to be as major as we've seen, especially this early. That's what I was so surprised by. We just saw how many teams moved so quickly, fired people so quickly. Mid-season, it just seemed like we had more firings. They're just going to let people finish out their 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 last year there. Um, just a lot of different situations like that you don't normally see. But this year's been a very interesting, definitely a very weird year in college football. Uh, you don't really have one of those generational teams that you normally see where they can just come in and just wipe the floor with everybody. We thought that was going to be Georgia. They showed us that that's not the case this year. So just a very weird year all around. So going to be a definitely, though, you know it's going to be a very, very fun ending to the year. There could, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised the way this year has gone that we see Cincinnati end up winning the national championship. There, I mean, there's just been so much craziness that's occurred. You can't pick anything. You can't predict anything. But, like I said, that's why you enjoy it so much. That's why we always keep coming back because we always want more. That's what's so fun about it. That's what makes it the best sport out there to cover when it comes to this time of the year and when it comes to this stuff. So much action, so much fun, unpredictable. You just can't beat it. But with that said, though, that is today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to us today. We will have our politics episode out tomorrow, so make sure you catch that. Wednesday we will be off. Thursday we will have some different information other than college football. We'll be talking about the NBA a little bit, probably getting into some, how some teams are performing there, looking to some other news as well. And then uh, Friday politics episode, since there is no college football just this, I mean, this Saturday, we won't have our Saturday episodes anymore. We will have a preview and predictions episodes that will take place on certain days depending on when we release it, like for the college football playoff. That's going to be on the 31st, which is a Friday, so we'll release one that morning on that Friday, which will probably take place, take over our politics episode during that day, since that New Year, that is also New Year's Eve, so you can be looking for that one. We'll have a bowl preview as well when we get that together, which we'll let you know a date when that's confirmed, but uh, just a lot of good stuff to look forward to. We're in that point in the year where there's going to be a lot going on, and then as soon as we get done with bowl season and college football playoff, we'll be getting right into the NFL playoffs. So going to be a lot coming up, so make sure you keep up with us. You can find our find news. You can also find our social media links at therevolutionsports.com. Check us out there. Make sure you are following our social media pages so that way you can keep up with all the breaking news from sports and politics there that's the fastest way to get it and we can get it to you quickly and make sure you keep you up to date so thank you for joining us today and we will see you in the next one